for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Ted Ramey of the Sharks Audio Network about the hiring of general manager Mike Greer by the San Jose Sharks on Tuesday of last week. He becomes the first black general manager in NHL history. Also, he's got a little history in his family, his brother and his dad, both executives in the NFL. What will the Sharks do at the head coaching position? The NHL draft went down last Thursday. All things we can talk about with Ted Ramey, who joins me next. Today is Monday, July 11th. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the podcast my good friend Ted Ramey, a member of the Sharks Audio Network. You hear him all season long on San Jose Sharks coverage. Here to talk a little bit about new general manager Mike Greer. Ted, what's going on, man? How are you, bro? Copes, I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Uh, Sharks said go out and get a general manager. And, and I guess before we get into that, any more pleasantries? Anything we should get out of the way, Ted? Are you uh, you excited about what's going on with the Oakland A's stadium? Are you cautiously optimistic or are you uh, not doing anything until shovels are in the ground? Oh, I'm shovels in the ground type of guy. I'm like, wake me when the shovels are in the ground. I, you know, I could go on a longer tangent about uh, the Oakland City Council, but I won't. But yeah, I mean, when, wake me when there are shovels in the grounds. Otherwise, this is just, uh, this is all something to fill the Twitter timelines. <laughs> yeah, are, are you still giving, uh, are you still giving uh, John Fisher your money, Ted? Uh, well, John Fisher gives me his money because I work for the earthquake. So, you know, we have a very good relationship <laughs> in that capacity. But, uh, you know, I've said it before, Copes, having sat with you at the Oakland Coliseum, I've never once thought to myself, this sucks. You know, I'm in a ball game. I'm watching Major League Baseball, having a beer, having some food. I understand the Oakland Coliseum is not Oracle Park. However, you know what? If I'm at a professional baseball game, I'm usually in a pretty good mood. So I can't get too upset about that. Yeah, and usually we were sitting out in the sun out there. We were out there for a bunch of day games together a couple of years ago, so uh, tough to be upset about that. All right, your other passion, Ted, the San Jose Sharks. Well, I guess your other other passion would be the Earthquakes, but let's get into a little bit of Sharks hockey. They've hired a new general manager, former San Jose Shark. Mike Greer becomes the new GM after Doug Wilson stepped down as GM uh, last year. They fill the position on Tuesday. He becomes the first ever black general manager in the NHL, which is pretty cool. And also, I didn't realize this until he was hired, Ted. His brother, Chris Greer, is the GM of the, uh, the Miami Dolphins, which is uh, kind of cool they become the first brothers to hold general manager positions in two different sports at the same time what do you think of the hire and, uh, and how about that note kind of cool I think it's great and you know also that their dad Bobby Greer was an executive with the New England Patriots and was the director of uh, pro player personnel or the president of pro player personnel and had various other coaching jobs in the NFL so it's a really really impressive family you know I think it's really cool Mike Greer you know the talk about him for a while has been kind of positive and he was such a likable guy when he was in the NHL and when he was a San Jose Shark hard worker you know more of a checking forward wasn't going to blow you away with his scoring abilities or anything but you know just a, a well-liked dude and you saw that by some of the alumni members that showed up at the press conference on Tuesday when the Sharks did the announcement. So I thought that was cool that you got former members showing up and wanting to be there. And, you know, you got the pictures of him talking to uh, Patrick Marlowe and such. With that, you know, you get a legend like Marlowe there talking to the new GM. It's a good look in general. But I'm excited. There were a lot of really interesting names that were thrown around in the process and the fact that it settled on Greer. And, you know, I am biased in this capacity, but. With my brother and I both being professional sports broadcasters, the sons of a father who was a professional sports broadcaster, like there's a part of me that understands, and you, Copeland, I'm sure you understand this as well. Like when you grow up in that lifestyle, you have a bit more of an intimate understanding. It's a bit more natural than coming to it from an outsider's perspective. I mean, you can riff on that if you want. At least I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I assume that's how it was for you. You saw that life as the norm. So it wasn't that hard for you to get into it. And I feel like that's probably how it's been for Greer. 
Not agree with that. And the other part is having that, that wealth of knowledge where you can lean on somebody like a dad or like a relative that you can go to to pick their brain because any of the mistakes you make, there's a good chance they've made them in the past also. So you can try to try to learn from their mistakes a little bit. And as you point out, his dad, Bobby Greer, former executive with the New England Patriots. So uh, Mike Greer was a, a scout for the Blackhawks in his time since retiring, a coach for the New Jersey Devils, and most recently uh, he spent the last season as a hockey operations advisor for the New York Rangers. I wonder about a team because the Sharks are going into a rebuild here, and he did make it clear in his uh, his welcoming press conferences this was not going to be an absolute tear down to rebuild it wasn't going to be a, a burn this thing to the ground and and start from scorched earth from scratch what do you look at from a perspective of it's a first-time general manager and obviously he's got experience but I always like when a first-time GM is a guy who's coming into an organization where maybe he was promoted or got the opportunity to be an assistant and can join a team that's on the verge of doing something special because maybe a, a bigger or long-time executive has moved on but for a team rebuilding here or looking to sort of retool coming into this season. How do you feel about him as a first-year general manager? I feel good, and I think that the, the thing that people have to remember about the Sharks is that even though they have not made the playoffs for the last three years, that's a first in franchise history, by the way, so it's been pretty smooth sailing for the Sharks since they came into existence. There is a lot of talent here to work with, and you can use that as work with on the ice or work with as potentially moving to build towards that future. You look at Brent Burns, you look at Eric Carlson, you look at Logan Couture, you look at Tomas Hurdle, you look at Timo Meyer, you look at, you know, those are the, the five core guys, and you look beyond that to Mark Edward Vlasic, who was much better in the second half of the year last year than he was in the first half. You know, whether or not you feel you can put pieces around that on the ice to make it immediately better, or you look at any of those guys and start talking to them about, you know, movements at this point of their career if they're looking for Stanley Cups. I know that you know there are no move clauses or no trade clauses involved with Burns and Carlson and Vlasic, but maybe there's something that they want to do. Maybe the Sharks view this as, okay, you know, we just signed Tomas Hurdle and Timo Meyer were working on a contract extension there. At least that's been the talk. So there's a lot of different ways that this can go. And I also think that, you know, Doug Wilson, before he stepped down, the thing is, the Sharks were not publicly calling it a rebuild. They were calling it a reset. Doug Wilson had taken steps to rebuild or restock the youth talent pool. They played tons of young players last year and the year before, doing a really good job of assessing what is there. So Greer has a lot of things that he can do now. I know a, a lot of people view the Sharks as locked into some of these contracts, and I always say, like, listen... Of any contract in any sport, nothing is ever set in stone. And I think that you have either way a lot of opportunities for Greer to work with. And I'm excited to see what he does. And I think that there's always validity in having that outsider's perspective. Somebody that can come in that has not been, you know, entrenched in what the Sharks have been. Because there is a little bit of an insulation that happens when you're in the thick of it for so long. And I'm sure that happens to me as well. But from an outsider's perspective... I'm sure Greer sees some things that he can immediately do, or maybe not immediately, but things that he wants to do that can set the franchise up for sustained success going forward. I was thinking about this in terms of bringing in a new guy, and you talked about handing out extensions and, and uh, you know, uh, re-signing Timo Meyer and all that. How big of a deal do you think it is? And, and Joe Will was a part of this last year. You stepped in as the assistant GM uh, when Doug Wilson had to step away from the team late last season. How big of a deal is it you think that they kept some of those core guys around so you have the ability with a new GM coming in to not make it an absolute rebuild, that he has some tools and some veterans to work with, or if he decides to move on from somebody, he gets to go and restock for the team that he's trying to build, the style of play that he's 
trying to run with this team. I, I just think that that's sort of the unsung win for the Sharks here, that they did not move on from all their talent in what was sort of a lost season last year. Yeah, I mean, I think that you have those pieces there and you have the the new contract of Tomas Hurdle, so they clearly view him as a you know, a piece for the future and a, a, something to build around. But, I mean, if you look at some of the teardowns that other teams have done in the NHL, you, you look at what the Arizona Coyotes have done, you look at what previously the Detroit Red Wings were doing, and the Sharks were pretty clear that that was something they don't want to do. And let's be honest, man, I mean, in the Bay Area, you have so much other competition, whether it's going to be the 49ers, the Warriors, the A's, the Giants, or the Earthquakes, and previously the Raiders were part of that as well. It's like, you don't want to be out of the conversation for too long. I mean, look, the Giants won three World Series in five years, and then, you know, in 2017, the stadium was empty. It was like, the 49ers built a new stadium after making three consecutive NFC Championship games and a Super Bowl appearance, and then suddenly the stadium was empty. Like, you can't be bad for very long because the Bay Area is going to give you somewhere else to invest your money for entertainment. You know, you can invest that money in the Warriors, or you can invest that money in a concert. You can invest... So, you know, the Bay Area offers so much, I don't think they wanted it to be a situation where there was nothing for people to see. I think that people do enjoy seeing Timo Meyer, an all-star, Tomas Hurdle, a former all-star and still capable of being an all-star or even an MVP going forward. Eric Carlson, you know, when he's not hurt, still one of the best D-men in the league. Same story for Brent Burns, you know, and Logan Couture. The guy is, you know, one of the best postseason performers in, you know, the last decade. No one's, you know, he was him and Ovechkin in terms of top goal scoring through the 2019 postseason. So, I mean, the star power is there. You can still go there and see something, and you've got you've got something to build around and or use to build around. In terms of Doug Wilson, who uh, steps away, he was here 19 years. Is that right, uh, Doug Wilson, 19 seasons with the Sharks? Yeah, so in yeah, terms of, of years, what, yeah. that's a long tenure with an organization that's had a lot of success over the last two decades. What sort of legacy do you think he leaves? Because, you know, I don't think you're walking into a situation here where it's like, you know, Gabe Kapler coming in after a, a three-time world champion and Bruce Bochy. It's not even George Seifert after Bill Walsh, right, because he was already a part of that staff. Uh, what's the legacy for Doug Wilson, you think? Because I, I think he leaves behind a, a great one with the Sharks. Uh, they make a Stanley Cup appearance you pointed out they had never been to or gone three straight years without making the postseason even in his tenure obviously it's the first time at the end now of his tenure that that's happened but what do you think he leaves behind here and how will he be remembered in San Jose there's a great legacy of what he did you know no one I don't think can say that he ever did less than try to go for it all I mean you look at the trades for Joe Thornton, which in the last 20 years of hockey, I can say is probably the biggest trade and forever changed the direction of the franchise. You look at the acquisitions of Brent Burns, of, of Dan Boyle, of Eric Carlson, um, when he went and got Evander Kane. I mean, you look at all the big moves he made. He was always in the middle of it. I mean, I think that's the thing. I mean, the, the sustained run of 15 years and being one of the most successful franchises in all of North American sports, I mean, that didn't happen by accident. That's Doug Wilson's legacy. The unfortunate part of it is that the Sharks didn't win a Stanley Cup. I look to it as one of those things in life where is you can do everything right and still end up with the wrong answer. Because I defy someone to go tell me what the Sharks, quote-unquote, did wrong over that run of making multiple Western Conference Finals appearances and making it to a Stanley Cup final and being in all those playoff appearances. I mean... If you remember after 2014 when they had blew the 3-0 lead versus the Kings, everyone said, oh, the Sharks are done. They missed the playoffs the next year. And then Pete DeBoer comes in the next year, and they're in the first ever Stanley Cup final appearance in franchise history. And that team still was able to have an unbelievable year from Joe Thornton, who people thought was you know old then. These things didn't happen by accident. Like Doug Wilson had the Sharks in contention for essentially 15 years. And I think that... 
I challenge someone to come tell me what he did wrong. You know, they, they didn't win at all, but you know, I, I think it's hard to criticize. Yeah. Yeah. The, the goal is to win. Obviously I'm, you know, you can have that conversation with Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, you know, you can talk to Thurman Thomas of the bills. It doesn't leave as much of a legacy in terms of like, Hey, look at all the titles, but are you going to tell me that the bills did something wrong, that the jazz did something wrong? Like I, you know, like they were great teams. They just ended up, you know, not winning at all. But it's, I think that's part of Doug Wilson's legacy. But you can get hot take guys out there, of which I've been guilty in the past, but that doesn't happen by accident. You're not in contention every year by accident. I would sort of compare him to, and I wonder if this is how he'll be remembered. I, I think the comp maybe for a general manager or a, or a president of operations would probably be Billy Bean. There's yeah. not a lot of bad stuff he can say. And even the moves Billy Bean did make where he had to trade off certain talent, that wasn't because he believed that's absolutely what they had to do. He was working within the parameters of the Moneyball system, right? There's good teams, there's bad teams, there's 50 feet of crap, and then, and then there's <laughs> us. Uh, maybe maybe Brad Pitt will play Doug Wilson in a movie coming up soon where uh, he's trying to put together a team sitting around a table of old guys. Dude, by the way, speaking of old guys, Doug Wilson turned 65 yesterday, and I was like, God damn, that guy has good genes. There's no yeah, right. way I thought Doug Wilson, like, like he just like full head of hair, like less wrinkles than me, and I'm about to turn 40 this week. So I'm like, you know what? That's just that's just how it goes. Like, not only was he a completely better athlete, he's just he's just a better man than me, and and most, <laughs> might I add. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Ted, uh, you uh, you balled it a little early, man. So the uh, the yeah, aging, just uh, a gonna, little bit. You're gonna wear it a little bit. Uh, all right, before we let you go, dude, uh, Greer's got to get to work pretty quickly. Uh, NHL draft goes down on Thursday. The first round, the rest of them happen on Friday. Shortly after that, he'll have to figure out who the next head coach of the San Jose Sharks is. Uh, do, you have, do you have a pick? Do you have somebody you'd like to see, or do you have an odds-on favorite? I do not at this point because the the pool of known names has been kind of tapped into up to this point. So I, you know, I've I'm already wrong enough, so I'm not going to put another hot take out there. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was a first time head coach as well because I think there is something to that fresh perspective. I mean, you look at what the Colorado Avalanche did and bringing up their AHL guy. You look at what went on and with Tampa, you know, not bringing up an established head coach and the success they had. So um, I'm not going to be surprised if something similar happens with the San Jose. Sharks. Yeah, okay, we'll, we'll have a lot to cover with the Sharks in the uh, the days and weeks ahead for sure uh, following the draft and then uh, when they do decide on a head coach. Uh, Ted, always fun talking, man, fun hanging out, and uh, we do have to get to a ball game, man. We're long overdue. We are long overdue, Copes. You let me know. We'll schedule it out, and we can uh, we can go sit in the sun at the Coliseum, drink a beer, and uh, talk about how it's really a pretty good time. Yeah, how miserable we are, or how miserable I'll be just, uh, just <laughs> hanging with you for an afternoon. All right, Ted, we'll talk to you later, bro. Peace. Great stuff from Ted Ramey. Make sure you're listening to him on the Sharks Audio Network all season long, keeping you up to date with uh, all the transactions, news, storylines that surround the San Jose Sharks. Should let you know that last week, the Sharks did have the 11th pick in the first round of the NHL uh, first-year player draft. They decided to make a trade with uh, the Arizona Coyotes. They moved down, so they traded that 11th pick down to get number 27 and also recoup some draft capital in that second round. And in the first round, with that number 27 pick, they selected Philip Bistet from the Swedish Hockey League, 49 points points in last season in, in Sweden and he uh, led his team ranked 20th overall in the league so there's some offensive talent seems reliable are the reports on Philip Bistet Thank you again to Ted Ramey. Thank you to Brian Smith, my producer, and thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. We'll keep bringing you the top stories in Bay Area sports, and Mike Greer certainly an exciting one or a fun one for the Sharks and already got to work. And uh, if and when, well, not if, when they decide to hire a head coach, we'll keep you apprised of any and all of that. Until Wednesday, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you then.